Well, welcome to this edition of Rail Group On Air, the podcast series brought to you by Railway Age Railway Track and Structures and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief, William C. Vantuono. My special guest is Gil Lamphier, Chairman of Midrail LLC, and um, has quite a history in uh, in this industry. Most of you probably already know Gil. And uh, we've invited Gil to uh, join us because uh, he, like all of us, have been studying the merger activity surrounding the uh, Kansas City Southern and the Canadian Pacific and the CN, the Canadian National. So Gil has a lot of experience with mergers uh, over a period of many, many years. And uh, he's got some thoughts and opinions on, um, on the merger activity that we're currently in the midst of. Uh, Gil, welcome uh, to Rail Group On Air. It's, uh, thanks uh, thanks for, for joining us. Oh, thank you, Bill. Um, and, and I'd say by way of background, uh, Bill, you know, in what I'm going to say, uh, uh, which I'll largely confine to uh, the, the role of the STB in all of this, uh, is uh, I have the utmost respect and know well uh, J.J. Rue and uh, Rob Riley and, uh, and also, of course, uh, Keith Creel, uh, known for many, many years. And... Uh, these are first-class individuals. Uh, they're gentlemen. They're professionals, uh, and they're uh, uh, really. I'm, I'm fortunate. It's fortunate that in this situation you have that quality of people uh, involved. Uh, it's really fortunate for the industry. It's fortunate for everyone concerned uh, that we have people who who uh, uh, know their way around and to do the right thing and say the right thing in the circumstances, which, which are difficult. Um, so anyway, I, I wanted to say that. Um, and what I'll say today is really trying to narrow it down to the STB and its, uh, uh, both its uh, uh, restraints uh, on them and also uh, the, the flexibility that it has in terms of interpreting its rules. Uh, but as you said, Bill, by, and just by way of background for your listeners, I, I've been a, uh, through a few of these uh, voting trust situations. Uh, and in my view, over the last 25 years, uh, and in my view, little, little Bill has changed as I watch this one unfold. Uh, and my experience starts uh, uh, back uh, remarkably in a, a remarkably similar situation with the Illinois Central that's now owned by, uh, by CN and our attempt to buy C, uh, KCS uh, that was blocked by the then ICC who wanted to study and weigh the pros and cons of a voting trust. Right. And this was when, uh, Gil? Uh, this would have been 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, 94. Uh, and, uh, 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 but it's, it was, it's, it's the same, uh, uh, kabuki dance uh, that's playing out. And, and we thought this was a slam dunk to have a voting trust. It was a, a, a procedural issue, but the uh, ICC uh, put its foot down and said, hey, we want comments just on the voting trust to weigh the, the pros and cons. So I, I've seen this language before. And it also extends, the experience extends through uh, the uh, practical organizational issues of uh, the IC being put in a voting trust, or in this case, KCS being put in a voting trust uh, pending its acquisition by uh, CN, which are not to be minimized in terms of the financial impact. And the STB has hinted at that. Uh, and then, of course, I was involved in the BNCN merger that was called off uh, by the STB signaling early on that it wasn't going to uh, approve it. Right. And that also generated the uh, present merger rules back in 2001, I believe. Yep. Yep. We got slapped with some new rules, um, which again goes to the fact the STB is constantly interpreting. And you saw that in the language yesterday. You know, the, uh, they use the word modification and modify. You know, they, they are not slave to past precedent and interpretations and things are evolving. Uh, and of course I was involved in the 
uh, I was on the board of CSX when CP made its acquisition proposal there. And of course that had some twists and turns, but essentially we were examining the voting trusts and what was uh, proposed there, but it was the, it's the same issue. Um, and uh, uh, issues there of influence in putting uh, on ice uh, in, in a, a, a company and in a voting trust and what that means. Um, and let me also point out uh, in terms of the STB uh, looking at updating its views, uh, uh, CN uh, uh, sued the STB a few weeks ago. I, I think people find that a little hard to believe in appellate court, but the CN actually sued the STB on the, uh, uh, what is it called, the Messina line up in Upper New York State. And that the language and reasoning that the SDB used in their decision uh, that is now being challenged by the CN uh, in that dispute uh, and the language it's using now are remarkably similar as well. And, you know, it, it talked about uh, things that uh, uh, were likely and unlikely and substantial, and, but there were judgments involved. And also, you, you've got the uh, Justice Department's uh, views on voting trusts um, and uh, politically and legally what's going on there with the signaling that they're uh, making in terms of their uh, communications. Um, so let me see if I can unscramble some of these and uh, see if I can sort out the STB issues and separate the strict legal uh, from the uh, actual and the discretion and the flexibility uh, and the trap in thinking that people can get into there if you fail to do that comparison of the actual versus really the flexibility they have. And then there's the law versus the practical and the political. Uh, there's, of course, and I wouldn't minimize it, the people element of who's involved here, who's making the decisions. And then there, Bill, is the uh, strategic analysis that both companies have in mind that aren't apparent from what's on a map. You know, this discussion about end-to-end -end and parallel lines and, and this. <laughs> you know, both of these companies have very robust strategic plans that, you know, aren't disclosed that uh, they have in terms of synergies, uh, competitive advantages and what they plan to do. Everybody talks about growth and everybody is nice, nice, and it's growth and it's good for the country and it's uh, good for you know, uh, uh, taking uh, uh, tractors off the uh, highways. <laughs> Believe me, there's, there's a whole nother set. And I know that because we had that developed with the ICKCS, and I'll get into that. Um, well, one, I wanted to ask you first, uh, you, you just mentioned something. You said uh, you put a uh, company shares in a voting trust that puts them on ice. Now, what exactly does that mean? We went through this with the IC. What it, what it means, uh, Bill, is that uh, the, in this case of John McPherson, when, when I went up with, with Hunter to CN, we, uh, John McPherson became CEO and uh, you reported to a trustee. And you really can't take risks and uh, do things that would diminish the value of the IC because if the IC, for example, <clears throat> diminished in value and the STB found that the IC should be divested, uh, that would create harm uh, both to the IC uh, and also to CN. And one of the tenants uh, for the STB, and it's a, a major one uh, that we saw yesterday, uh, is that no financial harm come to the acquiring entity. Uh, and therefore, in the, uh, for the company that's in trust, and what we went through with the IC is, uh, you know, don't make any major moves that uh, put the company at risk. Uh, so watch your capital expenditures, uh, watch your strategic initiatives, uh, and of course, uh, watch anything that might be considered favorable to the CN, uh, because uh, as the trustee doesn't want uh, there to be any implication that the CN is influencing your decision. 
and be careful about uh, the implications of what you do for the, the CN and other railroads that uh, might indirectly uh, influence the acquirer or the uh, IC. And so you're in a very cautious state uh, of, that you want to get through that uh, period of time. Uh, meanwhile, of course, um, you're supposed to be on ice, Bill, but you know the organization is thousands and thousands of people. And the trustee uh, communicates through the CEO, uh, and the CEO uh, communicates through uh, engineering and mechanical and marketing and finance and uh, your chief admin person, your chief of investor relations and PR and HR, and so it goes. So, you know, it, it's a trustee who's communicating to a CEO, who's communicating to his senior executives, and down it goes to the first supervisor level, uh, superintendent level, and then down to the workers, who are the guts of the, uh, of the company. And, and they, of course, are making decisions that in a railroad are extremely uh, important. And of course, they're going to make decisions that uh, favor uh, what they think is the likely outcome here. Uh, and of course, there are discussions with their brethren and the IC, with the CN. Of course, there are. You know, these these people are not as sophisticated as uh, you know the guys at the top about what they should and shouldn't do, and uh, whether it means anything. And but they're not going to do anything that gets them in trouble for their future jobs because they tried to play neutral. And so um, you, you have, but you're not going to make any moves. And if you don't grow, Bill, in this industry, if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards because you're in a competitive dynamic industry in which your competitors are moving and you've got to move. And some of those are strategic, some of those are capital allocation decisions, uh, and yet you're not supposed to do things that put a lot of stuff at risk. So everybody else is moving and you're not. So when we talk about putting you on ice, um, you know, you, you're a, 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 a bird uh, that uh, has, uh, is being thawed out. Uh, the wings are being thawed out after a winter storm. Um, so it's an organizationally Bill, it's very hard on the people because they feel like they can't do anything. They can't make a decision because they have to check with themselves, with counsel. You know, there are hundreds of decisions that come up every two weeks that would normally have to be approved. Uh, you just can't run the organization. So uh, it's, it's not a good state to, and the STB is very aware, Bill, of the fact that not want to leave a company in a state of uh, suspended animation uh, for a period of 18 to 24 months while a bunch of issues are sorted out about how the company conducts itself in the future, uh, especially a small company like KCS. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't want to leave it there on its own um, and uh, unable to make any decisions that affect growth. And, and the industry is growing, it has to grow, you have to grow, or else there'll be diminishment in capital. I mean, think about what would happen in the stock market if you said, well, uh, Mr. Railroad Company, uh, for the next two years, you know, don't really get out on a limb. Don't make any big decisions, okay? Just sort of uh, ride the wave up and down. You know, what would the stock market do to the PE of that company? What would happen to the earnings? You know, you're being run by a trustee who has, owns the shares or controls the shares and owns them, really. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he's supposed to do no harm. It's like a doctor, do no harm first. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult situation. And I'm not sure a lot of people appreciate that, although I think the STB is appreciating that and I thought I saw that signaled yesterday in yesterday's decision. And that's why they're asking comments on this voting trust. They're, they should get comments about people who have lived through voting trusts and what it does organizationally and financially to an organization. And that's part of the comments that they're asking for. So the longer a company is, is in trust, uh, meaning that the longer it would take the STB to make a decision, 
on a particular transaction, the longer the longer the company remains in trust, the the more potential there is for harm or deterioration, even service deterioration or what. Um, we all know that, of course, that uh, running a railroad is highly capital intensive. And, um, you know, I think one reason why the industry has been able to grow so much in the past uh, 20 years uh, is, is because they've been able to put the capital in and they, they've been able to keep up with that. Um, and that and in today's environment, uh, in my opinion, uh, when things are so competitive, so very competitive, uh, you've got to be really careful uh, that, that you're not missing the boat here or missing the train. Well, Bill, would, would you, if you were in trust and you were a $20 billion market cap, which is about I don't know, somewhere what KCS would be unaffected on a non-affected price basis, would you risk 500 million or a billion in terms of developing new routes, new structures and adding sightings and upgrading this and, and uh, uh, making strategic alliances or uh, taking some losses on business so that you could gain market share over time and shift volumes? Would you, would you reduce price to build volumes? Uh, what, what would, how would you react to that if you were in trust and you're reporting to a trustee and he's, He's there to preserve value. A normal person would say, hey, don't spend that billion dollars. Don't spend that 500 million. Don't, let's not uh, price cut and try to take share from the trucks and then uh, in terms of volume guarantees or, or the hope of additional uh, a volume. Let, let's not open up this lane. Let's not go head to head against these guys um, because if, if we're not right, you know, we could lose some money and, uh, you know, we really don't want to lose that money, okay? Because, you know, at a price earnings ratio of 25, each buck that you lose is, is worth 25 bucks. And so, you know, <laughs> you know, in, in today's capital markets, everything is multiplied by 25, Bill. You know, it used to be right. multiplied by six. Well, the interesting thing here is, uh, you know, well, I, I, would, I, I would feel, well, I'd, I'd be concerned. Now, but the interesting thing here is that, uh, the trustee for both transactions is Dave Starling, who was CEO of Kansas City Southern and did a heck of a job growing the company. I'm sure he is financially sophisticated. He's sophisticated in governance. He's facile uh, on, on legal issues. Uh, he's operationally minded. He knows you can't sit still. He knows that decisions have to be made. Uh, and he knows uh, probably how far you can push things and how far you shouldn't push things. It would be someone who's a senior executive at a railroad who, who understands a fiduciary, and he would understand fiduciary responsibilities. Well, I think you're right. And uh, Dave, of course, is probably, you know, just waiting like all of us to see, to see what happens. Uh, uh, but I, I think regardless of what happens, he'll, he'll do a heck of a job. So, Gil, let's talk about the politics of, of the situation. Uh, um, you know, the STB is is uh, set up as an quote-unquote independent body, but a lot of people are weighing in, a lot of entities. You have the Department of Justice weighing in. You have shippers weighing in, rail, other railroads weighing in, a lot of stakeholders. And, uh, you know, obviously there probably are some legislators on the local and national level uh, weighing in. In transactions like these, when you're dealing with, uh, as we were discussing, voting trust and other factors, what is the political landscape? What, what could it potentially look like? What are some of the factors that, uh, um, that play into the STB making its uh, ultimate uh, decisions? There's a lot of talk about end-to-end -end and parallelism, uh, uh, Bill, but the you know, the politics of the situation are a little more straightforward here, uh, which is, uh, and the reasoning that the STB is thinking about, uh, first of all, they have done a preliminary analysis of the anti-competitive effects, uh, but they're also listening to the Justice Department and they're listening to old, uh, the old antitrust uh, concerns about concentration. And that is a political thing. Uh, and you're, you're really hearing that from the Department of Justice as well, is you've got the UP and presumably the BN, let's say at 150 billion, 
Uh, you've got CSX and Norfolk Southern and uh, CN at about 75 billion of market value. We're talking about US. Right. That's mm-hmm. CP at about 45. You got KCS unaffected. Uh, let's use 20. If you put CP and uh, KCS together, you have uh, 45 plus 20, you have 65. So you're getting there in terms of equal footing so that you've got an industry that's got a couple 150s of of market value and size. And then you have quite a number of equal people uh, who are in the 65, 75 uh, million area. So you've created a sort of a level playing field and from a concentration and competitive standpoint. and it works out quite neatly. Uh, the CN deal, of course, would take a 75 million and add 20 more million uh, to it, and you'd have a 95 million, and CP would be the run at 45 million. So the, the politics of, of simple-minded, um, I don't mean to call the senators simple-minded, uh, but the, the, in terms of what's understandable, um, you have a concentration issue, and that's a political issue. And that, that's something that the Democrats and the uh, attitudes toward bigness in this country at this time. Uh, and remember here that the STB members were recommended by senators. They were approved by senators. Uh, I mean, nominally, they're nominated by the president, but the president uh, obviously didn't get involved. This was senators doing things for senators and former staff members and other people who had been at the local level. Um, these are highly intelligent people. Uh, they, they do come from some political backgrounds, but they are, they are intelligent, they're bright, they want to learn more about railroading to the extent they don't know railroading at all. I spent time with the commissioners, a couple of the commissioners uh, a couple of years ago with the current chair then and with the vice chair. They wanted to learn about it, PSR. We were coming off the CSX deal uh, in terms of the implementation of PSR. So these are highly intelligent, bright people and are well-meaning. They're, they're not Democrats, they're not Republicans. And so, but they're approved by the Senate and they came out of the Senate and their peers are Senate people, uh, staffers and, and others. And they live in Washington, DC. And remember, Bill, that Congress approves their, you know, their budget is only 37 million a year. That's they, not a lot considering the workload. 37 million. Heck, that's what a hedge fund manager makes. Okay, the entire STB the, is $37 million, and uh, there are 135 people. That's all. And that's full time equivalents. So they're part time people in there, 135, and 55 of them are lawyers. And add another five commissioners. So half your group is uh, lawyers and the five commissioners. And uh, they're faced with all these decisions. And of course, they're going to be susceptible and swayed by senators calling them and explaining points of view. Uh, And some of those points of view will be quite simple. uh, And concentration will be one of them. Uh, The other one that's quite simple, which is a political issue, is, uh, is capital. Uh, because if concentration matters, so, so does mere size. And as we talked about, having things on an equal playing field in terms of capital means that you're not going to have capital as a competitive weapon that you can use against other railroads. And if you're of equal size, you're not going to play that game. And so it's very important that size, as we talked about capital, especially in a, a, a capital-intensive business, uh, and where capital uh, is on short supply, um, it's very important you get size right. And it also means size has to be right in terms of all your strategic, uh, your marketing, your competitive decisions, your risk decisions. In generally, those are facilitated if you're bigger than the next guy, because if you make a mistake or it doesn't work, it's spread over a larger base. And so, Size is important. Concentration is important. And those are political decisions. Those are what we're seeing played out in Washington now with technology firms. It also has to do with, um, you know, we've talked about it's not end-to-end or parallel. It, it, uh, it's, it, it really goes to 
uh, and this is a political decision too about what's the business strategy going to be of these two companies when they're combined? Where is their overlap? You know, we talked about KCS and IC. Uh, you know, there are elaborate plans going on in the background, on uh, CP as well, I'm sure, about what you're going to do from a competitive standpoint on your current markets that you serve, not just new stuff, because everybody can talk about new and, and, and growth. Um, and so uh, you, you, you are in a, and then you have the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice, as we've learned, uh, is a part of the administration. We always think of it as independent, uh, which it, it is, I think. It a, 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 has a moral compass to it uh, and uh, in the hands of the right people. But it is a spokesperson for points of view that are politically motivated and come from deep inside in terms of, of just rules of thumb. And because railroading is so complicated, you got to go back to rules of thumb of concentration and size and oligopolies and pricing power and monopolies. And, and you've got to look at the landscape. And so you've got a Department of Justice that's weighing in that has an antitrust division, which the SDB can override. It's not beholden to the antitrust, but, but you'll, you can meet it in court. And so you have to listen to them and what they're really saying. And of course, they're all sort of, sort of back channel uh, these are all public statements that you and I and everybody else are reading. There's so much back channeling going on now um, that uh, uh, the lobbyists and uh, uh, senators and uh, Department of Justice and uh, uh, everybody's very careful about what they say. Um, and you're seeing an even more sanitized view out in the public realm. But you know, this this is why suddenly the STB is very concerned uh, about the CN price uh, and is calling for, uh, as they said, a, a voting trust is a privilege. They said yesterday, it's a privilege, not a right. And it's a privilege that's granted so that uh, things can be uh, uh, scrutinized. But if on the face of the facts and their interpretation of the facts, uh, they're asking for comment, is a voting trust appropriate here? Uh, in essence, they're, you're, they're making a decision on the merger itself. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and, hmm. and that, in essence, it's more political and it's more subject to the STB's interpretation of its own rules. Uh, because by their own rules bill, there's no reason, and this is what CN's point is, there's no reason that a voting trust cannot be established today based on its own regulations because it, it, without consideration of the merits of the merger because they haven't studied the merits of the merger. So but ipso facto, you can establish the voting trust without coming to any decision about whether the deal is gonna be divested or, or not divested. However, they do have one set of facts, which is the price and how it's being financed and they can look into the future and say, what would divestiture cost the CN? And I think we had a major shareholder weigh in and say, hey, you could lose $18 billion or 15 or 12, whatever the number is, but you could lose a lot of money relative to a market cap of 75 billion. Uh, and uh, who's gonna catch those shares when they come out of the trust? given that you've paid a huge premium, you've paid 25 times trailing EBITDA. Now, what's the market gonna trade at if you're able to place those shares? What's the market even look like at that time? You've just had private equity people come up with one price that's sub substantially below 275, uh, and those are in good markets. And so what's the potential loss here if the thing is divested? And so the, I think the STB is looking forward. They are looking forward to, hey, what are the chances are? And then you have to understand as well that the STB is thinking, you know, we're gonna put a lot of pro-competitive and restrictions on the CN in terms of how they conduct their business. And that's gonna be a, 
further detriment to value because we're not going to prove this without restrictions, tight restrictions. And so they're looking at, as well as the financing for this deal and the pricing, and they're saying, based on everything that we know, you know the voting trust should be closely examined. And when we went through this before, and, and when the people say we want to closely examine not the deal, but the very voting trust, they're sending you a signal. That's the way the STB functions. It's, it's part political. It's an interpretation of what's, uh, what the, the law of the land is and what the regulations are. But it's constantly evolving. And the STB is saying we're going to evolve with the rules because markets evolve, the industry evolves, uh, and customers evolve. And we are going to consider this based on what is in the public interest. They have a mandate to the public interest, as well as stakeholders, broadly defined. But it's basically the public interest, and it's this country's public interest. It's not Canada's. It's this country's public interest. And that's the basis on which they make decisions. And they're going to look ahead. Well, they're highly intelligent people on that board. Um, and they're advised by highly sophisticated people. It's, it's not a group of uh, political hacks. This, this, uh, this is, these people are very, very, very facile. So, Gil, let's uh, talk a bit about uh, your view of what the KCS board might be thinking. Uh, you've been in a, in a similar position uh, in, in your career being a, a board, board member of various railroads, and they've got a lot on their plate now. Uh, if, in, from, in your estimation, what, what are they thinking now? Uh, you know, balancing their responsibility to their shareholders, but also other responsibilities, uh, other considerations, let's say. As far as the board is concerned, this went from a complex uh, set of considerations to a, a couple very simple ones, because uh, it's now shifted to the STB. And between the STB and where the stock price trades, tells you and tells the board what they're going to do because the deal has to be approved by the shareholders. And you're not going to get the shareholder vote if the stock is at, for, for the CP deal, if the uh, price of the stock is at $308 or $300. Uh, similarly, the STB has, is right now uh, controlling your switch. Uh, as to what they'll accept and what they'll not accept. And, uh, and so the, uh, you know, they, they're very ably counseled by Wachtell Lipton and by a senior person there. Uh, and uh, while before they had some options because they were negotiating a merger agreement with CN, that's now been put to bed because the CN probably gave them everything that they wanted. Uh, and more now. Uh, and so uh, uh, they signed an agreement here and, and the responsibility now goes to the STB and it goes to the shareholders themselves as to what price uh, is the uh, present value equivalent. Uh, the STB can take it all away from everybody uh, and they're prepared to do so because they really don't care whether people you know, lose money initially on Wall Street. But they care about long-term value uh, to the railroads and to the uh, industry. The KCS board's hands are pretty well tied at this point. Uh, they're looking at the stock price. They're looking at what, in essence, the, the, the shareholders are voting every day through the stock price. They're telling uh, the KCS board what they think of the two competing offers and the chances of it getting done. The SDB, though, has the controls at this point. So, Gil, we've covered a lot of ground here. I, I think uh, a lot of people would uh, think that when they talk about a merger or two competing um, uh, potential transactions, they, they're thinking, a lot of people are thinking one thing, well, it's price. But it really isn't, as, as you and I have talked about before. There's a whole lot more going on here. As recently as a month ago, some very smart money 
but very dumb money, uh, considered the STB to be a procedural rubber stamp of, uh, and that, that it was just a slam dunk, you know, that uh, the highest price would win. And all of a sudden, the smart money became less dumb. And uh, the focus shifted from price to uh, procedure and process and precedent uh, and uh, pondering uh, by the STB and judgments and weighing of uh, language and what it meant and weighing costs and benefits uh, began to shift to the people who are making the decision, uh, which is a key factor. Uh, you know, you, if you don't know who the people are at the STB, uh, you better get to know them pretty well in terms of, you know, what's their profile and what makes them tick. Uh, there's the promulgation of the, of the rules. There's the public interest uh, that's involved here. It's not price, it's the public interest and the uh, interest of the railroading industry in the long term. Uh, it's about economic power. We've talked about concentration. We've talked about size. Uh, we've, uh, we've talked, uh, uh, I think, touched upon that the priority is the U.S. It's not Canada. You know, we really don't, <laughs> how, this, how this revolves, you know, what's important to the industry, uh, but it is about the nation's growth. It's in the mandate of the STB. It's, so the priority is the uh, U.S. and here you have a U.S. entity that's in play. Uh, it's also about the position that the decision leaves the KCS in and the CN in and the CP in if certain things are divested or don't go forward and things uh, stay in uh, voting trust for long periods of time. So it's about positioning uh, and the positions everybody has left in. Uh, and it's about the political pressure uh, that the STB is under to uh, come to something that is easily explained uh, because at the, at the end of the day, you got to easily explain this thing. Um, and let's remember um, what one of the key strategic goals of the STB is now. And they've been very, very good about keeping their word on this, which is the decision that they're going to come to has got to be timely, it's got to be transparent, it's got to be reasoned but simple, uh, that will uh, you know, be above any near-term economic loss or the economic fray that might result uh, from a decline or increase in price uh, or dislocation uh, to certain parties in the capital markets. Uh, and it's got to be legally pretty bulletproof because there will be suits. Uh, you'll, you're going to see this resolved timely in a factual way, in a transparent way, and it will be factually based. Uh, there will be interpretation. There will be some judgment. Uh, but that's why you have an STB that is, thinks and is not just a rubber stamp. But well, why don't we wrap this up uh, south of the border? Uh, Mexico is very important here. The uh, KCSM franchise there, uh, that of course, uh, you know, combined with U.S. operations and um, and Canadian operations, gives you what both CN and CP are calling the USMCA railroad. Does the Mexican government have any sway here? Uh, what 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 do you what do you think that they they might be considering? I think the government of Mexico uh, is, uh, has a concern about uh, workers, uh, that the number of people employed uh, and the unions uh, uh, will be in, uh, kept in power and the workers will continue to be employed, uh, that there is a growth, uh, a tremendous growth aspect, uh, that there won't be capital uh, starved, uh, that there'll be capital put into promoting economic growth and expanding uh, lines and speeds and, uh, and that the uh, individuals involved will be cooperative. They wanna know who they're dealing with. They'll wanna know uh, if decisions can be made uh, quickly uh, and uh, uh, what the chemistry is between uh, the people there on the Mexican side of the border and the people on the uh, US side of the border. So they, they're going to want to know who, who's making decisions and where the center is, um, whether the money is there, whether the will is there, uh, whether the risk taking is there. 
they want to know about uh, the collaboration uh, between the rails and uh, industry that is going to uh, be located south of the border in terms of expansion plans and being able to uh, have uh, equipment and people to handle that expansion and uh, put capital at risk. It's going to be, uh, uh, you know, money spent at, uh, increasing border speeds. Um, basically, you know, you'd say they were neutral, uh, but they are very interested in uh, who they're going to be dealing with and how decisions will be made and whether there's going to be a change. And so, um, They've probably done a lot of research uh, about who the governing bodies are going to be and who the CEOs are going to be. And I would be surprised if they haven't already received lots of phone calls and lots of assurances from both parties uh, that not just that things won't change, but that things will be so much better and that you can call me directly uh, if something comes up. You know, that's the message they want to hear is call me directly. Um, and uh, they do not want to be put in a secondary role uh, as a simply a supplier. They want to be uh, in, in, a, in a partnership role and a true partnership role where they're listened to by an individual and uh, where they can get decisions made and things reconciled uh, and there's a uh, the chemistry and the a spirit of cooperation. Um, so it can, it gets down build the people again. Uh, you know, it's it's people and trust, and in this railroad business, people and trust is everything. I would agree with you uh, wholeheartedly uh, on that. Um, you know, and and uh, Mexico, uh, I think uh, probably one of the reasons why they decided to privatize the national rail system more than 25 years ago. Uh, and I was right in the thick of that, <laughs> traveling to Mexico several times a year and covering everything that went on. Uh, I remember those days well. Uh, I think they realized how important the, a good rail system is to the Mexican economy. And, uh, you know, I, th I think I think the economy there has reaped tremendous benefits uh, from well-run railroads. So, as you say, that's their primary concern. They want to make sure that uh, the the economic growth uh, continues. Yeah, Bill, I'll add one thing too about the Mexicans thinking about as I look out my window and I look at Brightline and uh, uh, the uh, uh, passenger rail versus the freight rail and the potential for conflicts about who, who uh, has precedence on the tracks and the schedule and so forth. It is very important that uh, the, the Mexicans feel and their culture is one of uh, cooperation and reasonableness. There, is, there are things that are written down that are in contracts, but there's also a notion of fair play. And that's part of their culture. That's, that's how they work things out. And it, it's not one that's necessarily legal and contracts. Of course, these are big companies down there and that. But it's always a subculture of we can work it out, can't we? In other words, what's down there was done at one time. But, hey, now I need this and I'll do this. But, you know, trust me on this. And... You know, you've got to know the people uh, to, to be able to evolve uh, in a situation particularly as dynamic as Mexico and the border and uh, uh, demand for goods and new companies moving. You have to have understandings and longstanding relationships. Uh, and you want to preserve those and, and make sure that they're not going to turn over every three uh, years. Well, Gil, I thank you for joining us. Uh, today is May 18th, and by the end of the week, uh, by May 20th, uh, uh, we'll know a lot more about the situation. So again, thanks for joining us. So we appreciate your uh, perspective as a longtime railroader, longtime investor, uh, uh, really uh, some of the brains behind uh, PSR and uh, days with Hunter Harrison and uh, you've, you've seen it all, and uh, we, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Bill. Happy to be here.